Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. There's my mic. All right. Welcome to our viewers online. Uh, it is clear in Scripture that Jesus has a special place in his heart um, for those that society often overlooks. Um, they're people in need, they're marginalized. Uh, we might call them at risk populations. And so in Jesus' day, uh, they were typically the poor, the widow, the orphan, the prisoner, the refugee. Um, in that spirit, this weekend, we are beginning to take a special offering up for three organizations here in Fergus Falls who are ministering to some of the biggest needs in our community. Um, they are Health Resources, Someplace Safe, and Jail Inc. And so we're highlighting a different one of those each week. Um, if you would like to give above and beyond your normal giving uh, to the special Christmas offering, there are special like colored envelopes in the back um, by the offering boxes. Um, you, can, you can put your uh, check or money in there. And I would encourage you to also write in the memo on your check uh, special offering so it gets to the right place. Uh, and then that special offering will be evenly split between those three organizations. Um, and you can give to this all the way through Christmas Eve. So, Also, last Sunday, we started a Christmas outreach uh, where we're signing up to buy Christmas presents uh, for children or adults who are uh, from one of several at-risk groups here in Fergus Falls, um, the elderly in nursing homes, victims of trafficking or domestic abuse, uh, those with disabilities and mental health issues, uh, and then foster kids. So um, all of the names last week were signed out, so that's awesome. There are a few more out there this week, so if you're wanting to sign up, uh, you'll probably want to get out there quickly before they're all gone. As Mason mentioned, next Sunday, the 12th, is the deadline to bring back all of those presents. One other thing I want to say before I uh, get into the message. On December 26th, Sunday after Christmas, um, we're launching a new six-week sermon series called Tough Questions, Straight Answers. Um, you'll see the uh, sermon titles show up on the screen. Um, those are, you know, the first week is, you know, I have an atheist friend, how do I interact with that? Um, a lot of times, uh, people who've previously followed the Lord, they've, they've fallen away, or maybe they've, they've never followed the Lord, and they just have some real strong objections to the Christian faith. I'm going to interact with that on that weekend. Uh, the next weekend is talking about how science and faith kind of intersect. Um, sometimes that becomes an issue with, with people who are outside the faith. The third week is the classic question, why would a good God allow evil, pain, and suffering in our world, right? Um, so I'm going to address that. And then the, the, fifth, or the fourth week, how can Jesus be the only way to God? What about other religions? Like people have valid questions, you know, and they say, what about somebody who's never heard of Jesus? Like you're telling me that that person has, is going to go to hell? You know, so I'm going to address, address some of these tough questions that people ask us. Um, and then the fifth week, if God is so loving, why would he send someone to hell? What is hell? Uh, and then the sixth week, what is heaven? And how can I be sure I'm going there? So this series is designed um, so that you can invite your unchurched friends, coworkers, relatives, um, and such 
uh, and I will be addressing some of the toughest questions of the Christian faith very directly. So that's why I called it Tough Questions, Straight Answers. So be praying about who you can invite uh, to this upcoming sermon series. I think, I think it could be a step for many people um, to faith in Jesus or back to faith in Jesus. So, so be, be praying about um, those people and who you can invite. Um, you might invite them to maybe come for the first time on Christmas Eve and then check out the series afterwards. Our Christmas Eve service will be at 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. All right, so today we're continuing our Advent series, O Holy Night. And last week I unpacked a little bit about the history of Advent and talked about hope. This week we're discussing peace, peace. Um, but first, um, I want to start out with a little joke. I don't think I've told a joke in a while, so time for a joke. Uh, a woman was walking along the beach when she stumbled upon uh, a genie's lamp. She picked it up, she rubbed it, and lo and behold, a genie appeared. Uh, the woman was amazed, and she asked if she would um, get to receive her three wishes. And the genie said, nope, due to inflation, downsizing, and low wages, I can only grant you one wish. So what'll it be? The woman thought for a minute, and she said, um, I wish for world peace. Uh, the genie said, there's been war on the earth for thousands of years. Um, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I don't think it can be done. Make another wish. And so the woman thought about it again. And she said, well, I've never been able to find the right man. She said, you know, one that's handsome and funny and kind and considerate. He puts others first. He loves Jesus. Um, I'd like him to be a good cook. Um, I'd like him to help with the house cleaning. Um, I'd like him to make good money and not watch sports all the time. That's what I wish for. And the genie thought for a bit and he said, I'll get to work on world peace. <laughs> peace. So if you're gonna ask someone, uh, like what is their greatest wish for the world, um, world peace would probably be at the top of the list. So we crave peace in our lives, we crave peace in our homes, we crave peace in our communities. Um, but for some reason, most of us have resigned ourselves to the fact that we may never see such peace in our lives. The world just keeps getting uh, more and more crazy, right? More and more chaotic. Um, and it seems that there's a whole lot of conflict and a whole lot of evil in the world. Um, there are riots, there are terrorists and school shootings and viruses and all kinds of horrible things in the world. Even nature itself seems bent on chaos, right? There are wildfires and tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes. So when the Bible speaks of peace, we often think that this peace is for like sometime in the future, someday, certainly not for the here and now. That is not true. Um, God has a plan for peace in this world, he does. And yes, that peace will come when Jesus comes again. I'll talk about that here in a bit. 
But even in the midst of everything that I just talked about, like we can begin to experience that peace now. Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So the Apostle Paul talks about um, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, and the peace I'm talking about is something that you and I cannot produce on our own. Um, we can't make this peace, but we can receive it. Most of us long for, for peace, deep abiding peace in our lives, right? That remains even when we're facing difficult people and we're facing difficult circumstances. Um, the kind of peace that's not shaken even when the storms of life are blowing us back and forth. So here's the big, the first big takeaway today. Peace follows the presence of the master. The closer we draw to Jesus, the more of his peace we will experience. Jesus said in John 14, 27, it's our verse today, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We come into God's presence first by turning to his son, Jesus, believing in his resurrection and accepting his lordship over our lives. Um, we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, and we submit to his lordship over our lives, and we are counted righteous, right? This is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus paid the price for those sins. That is the first step in having peace. It is having peace with God. When we do that, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we choose to follow him and we acknowledge him as the sovereign Lord of our life, um, there is an initial experience of this peace. Like you see it when we do baptisms. You see it on their faces. But then that peace hopefully grows as we begin to know Jesus more. Uh, it grows as we begin to submit more and more of, our er of the areas of our life over to his lordship. The more we invite the presence of the master into every nook and cranny of our lives, the more our peace grows. Peace follows the presence of the master. So if you're not experiencing as much peace as you would like, um, begin to ask yourself, where am I saying to Jesus, you can have this, and you can have this, and you can have this, but you can't have this? Or, yes, I know and I follow you, Jesus, but this thing that I'm dealing with right now, I gotta deal with this myself. Essentially, we're saying, I trust you, I can trust you with these things, but not these things. Again, for us to receive God's divine peace, uh, it means accepting the complete lordship of the one who is already sovereign over the whole universe and letting him be lord over every area of our lives. So, I think most of you know I'm in 
I'm an early riser, I'm usually up sometime between three and five in the morning. Um, whenever I say that, people usually say, well, what time do you usually go to bed? <laughs> uh, it's usually sometime between like nine and 10. But one of the things I love about getting up that early is how quiet it is, how peaceful it is. Um, I've got this little routine, okay? I'm always going to err on the side of authenticity, transparency. So here's my routine. So I'll get up, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, let the dogs out, feed them, the cat. We've got two dogs and a cat. Elsie, Barney, and Joy. Joy's the cat, tuxedo cat. <laughs> uh, take, take my vitamins, make my coffee. Uh, then I sit in my chair in the living room, and I'll read my Bible and pray. Um, usually somewhere between like an hour or two. I do this for a lot of reasons, but primarily for me, it is how I walk out this process of letting Jesus be Lord over every area of my life. Right? It's praying about those things. It's being still and silent and listening. It's seeking the Lord's guidance and his wisdom through his word. Now, I want to stop here just for a second, okay? Uh, and I want to say that there are two paths here. This, is, this part's really important. There are two paths here. There is the path of the Pharisee. It is legalism leading to pride, okay? Because I do certain things, you should do certain things, right? Because I don't do certain things, you shouldn't do certain things, right? And the implication is that somehow I'm a better Christian because I do certain things and don't do certain things. That's nonsense, okay? The better path is this one, okay? It is recognizing where we are weak and we are vulnerable, realizing how much we need Jesus, how much we need his presence, how much we need his peace, and choosing to adopt certain habits or perhaps um, rhythms of habits, um, perhaps removing certain things and setting certain boundaries because we know we are weak, right? Because we know how much we need Jesus, right? And knowing that everyone is different, and everyone is weak in different areas, right? Everyone has to find how they connect with Jesus, how they experience his presence, and how they can get filled up again. Okay? And not judging others because they don't do the things that we do. Make sense? Okay. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring to light uh, certain habits we need to adopt, in order to experience more of his presence and his peace. Or he will highlight certain things in our life that are creating a hindrance to experiencing his presence and his peace. Things we need to remove. All right? And we need to listen. Because if we don't, we won't experience his presence. We won't experience his peace. Peace comes from being in the presence of the master. In addition to regularly entering into his presence, um, Jesus especially brings his peace when we cry out to him for help. 
It's in the storms of life that he grows our faith and he grows our trust in him. And he teaches us to learn to depend on him. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 24 says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. So in this famous story, Jesus demonstrates uh, that there is no storm that is too big for his peace to break in with his calming, his quieting power. Right? When we need help, we need to cry out to him. So here's another instance of Jesus breaking in with his peace. It's the uh, same chapter, Luke 8, verses 27 to 35. It says, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. So in this story, Jesus breaks in with his presence to a man whose soul had probably been tortured most of his life, right? And because of Jesus' presence, the evil flees, and we find this man in his right mind, sitting where? At the feet of Jesus. Jesus has bought he has brought this man peace. This man is now free from being controlled from within, and this peace will follow him for the rest of his life. Peace follows the presence of the master. And when he comes, we're brought back into our right mind, and we fall at his feet. So this is a secret to the peace that surpasses understanding. Um, invite Jesus into every nook and cranny of your life inside and out and submit 
to his lordship, fall at his feet. Whether a storm is raging on the outside circumstances of your life, or a storm is raging inside of your heart, when we come into the presence of the master, we experience his peace. I talked a couple weeks ago about the woman um, who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. Um, after she did that, it says, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Remember the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So both of these women were made whole and given peace by their encounter with the master. Peace follows the presence of the master. So maybe you are uh, familiar with um, Handel's Messiah. Um, it's an oratorio. An oratorio is a work for symphony, chorus, and soloist. Um, I've sung it many times, both in the chorus and as a soloist. Uh, most people are familiar with the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, but one of my favorite choruses from the Messiah, uh, even more than the Hallelujah Chorus, is For Unto Us a Child is Born. Uh, it comes from Isaiah 9-6, and it's in the King James Version. Uh, they'll put it up on the screen. It says, for, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So I want to take a moment and have us listen. Uh, it's about four minutes. Uh, to a performance of this by the American Bach soloists. They're a group out of California, and they're performing in Grace Cathedral in, uh, in San Francisco. So let's take a Yeah. 
Peace follow the presence of the Master because he is the Prince of Peace. So on the night of Jesus' birth, the angels proclaimed good news to the shepherds, talking about the peace that Jesus would bring. It says in Luke 2:14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In Matthew 10, it's interesting, Jesus uh, seems to downplay his role as the Prince of Peace. Um, he said something that seemed almost contradictory. It's Matthew 10, 34 through 36. It says, do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but the kind of peace he brings is not necessarily what most people are thinking about uh, when they hear the phrase peace on earth, right, at Christmas time, where they see slogans talking about world peace. So I want to unpack this. What are the fronts that we would agree uh, we need peace, where we need peace, right? First, uh, we'd probably say that we need inner peace, okay? inner peace. We've all got some kind of conflict going on inside of us, right? We deal with doubts, we deal with fears, we deal with insecurities. Sometimes it's even more serious. We're dealing with anxiety, we're dealing with depression, uh, mental health professionals tell us that the Christmas season, the time of peace on earth, um, is often one of the most difficult times of the year. It's ironic. So inner peace, that's the first front, inner peace. Another front, we'd probably say that we need peace on 
uh, is in terms of interpersonal conflict, right? People struggling with other people. So family conflicts, conflicts with coworkers, uh, conflicts with people at church. We don't have any of those, do we? Um, even conflicts with total strangers, right? You ever watch any of those videos online uh, where strangers, like perfect strangers, are like fighting over stuff on Black Friday? Uh, or those videos of people um, who have like road rage on the highway and they like get out of their car and they like start going at it. So we need interpersonal peace. Another front we'd probably say that we need peace on is peace between nations. Um, what peace on earth probably means to most people is international peace. Conflicts rage all around the globe. Like this always seems like we're on the threat of a war breaking out. Even the very place of Jesus' birth, the Middle East, is one of the least peaceful places on the planet. Right? So we need peace among nations. Okay? Another kind of peace that we need, and we often don't think much about, which I've already alluded to, um, is we need peace with God. Peace with God. Okay. The universal human response to God's reign is rebellion. Um, because we have all sinned and rebelled against God, without Jesus, we don't have peace with God. Romans 5.10 describes people in sin as enemies of God. Um, whether we feel any hostility toward God or not, um, this is a fact. So, as the Prince of Peace, Jesus came first to make peace between God and mankind. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his Son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so God's wrath could be turned away from us and we could have peace with God. So this peace and forgiveness are available to anyone, anyone, who puts their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. It says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So Jesus also brings us peace by sending the Holy Spirit to live in believers. Okay? Maybe, maybe you hear that and you think, yeah, sure, I know that. I know Holy Spirit comes to dwell within me if I follow Jesus Christ. Um, but that doesn't really help me with what I'm dealing with today. Right? But it does. It does. The Spirit changes us so that we can begin to experience his peace. Okay? It is the third fruit of the Spirit um, in Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace. Okay? When believers start to feel a lack of peace, we have a way to deal with it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So again, as we spend more time in the presence of the master and we submit to the spirit's leading in our life, we begin to bear the fruit of the spirit and that includes peace. We develop the ability to forgive people that we couldn't forgive before. Um, We become more self-aware when we've hurt others. Um, We are more readily moved to apologize. Um, We become more gentle. We become more self-controlled. We become more patient. Actually, um, I like the older translations Um, that replace patience with this phrase, long-suffering. I think that has good color to it, long-suffering. I think that's accurate. And we become, ultimately, more humble. Um, And what happens then is amazing. It is a miracle of God because we find... Um, that we don't always need to get our way. We find that we don't need to justify ourselves. We find that we don't need to defend ourselves. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out and brings us his peace. So um, what about that peace on earth that the angels proclaimed at Jesus' birth? Um, Obviously, Jesus' first coming didn't bring world peace, right? At least we haven't seen it yet. Um, But here's the thing, okay? Jesus is coming again. And know this, the only way, the only way that there will ever be world peace is when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right? The only way that there will ever be world peace is when the Lord Jesus Christ himself assumes his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords. The only way there will ever be world peace is when Jesus reigns supreme and every nation is living in obedience to him. Then there will be world peace. But what about today? What do we do to experience some of that peace until he comes again, until he sits on his throne before every nation, right? If Jesus is the prince of peace, and if peace comes from being in his presence, then how do we bring his presence into every area of our lives? It starts, and this is totally countercultural, right? Sometimes we need to like, like one of these days, I'm going to do a teaching on syncretism because there's so much about um, US, the U.S. Uh, Christian faith that is a syncretism, is a blending of lots of different things, okay? So this piece is very countercultural, okay? Um, it starts by simply being, Okay? Peace comes from being before doing, okay? Culture says, work, 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 come on, 
You're not doing enough. You're lazy. Come on. Do more. Do more. Okay? 5% growth. 10% growth. Come on. Right? Jesus says, sit at my feet. Being before doing. Okay? Sometimes we get so busy doing that we neglect just being in God's presence. Um, it's out of being in God's presence that we then begin to get direction, we get guidance, and we begin to experience his peace. As we spend time just being with Jesus, his character becomes our character, right? His peace becomes our peace, right? The picture of this in the, in the Bible is Moses coming down off the mountain and his face is shining, Right? How we think about things, how we respond to people, how we handle situations, even our capacity to love flows out of just being in his presence. Like, I don't have that in me. You don't have that in you, right? All of that is from God. And we get more of that by being in his presence. As a result of being in his presence, we are being transformed. And as a result, um, we are then able to take his presence with us wherever we go. There's nothing we need more in this life than to be in his presence. So how do we do this? I I talked last week about the need to regularly create space for silence and an intimate encounter with God in our lives. I talked about the need to reflect and meditate on God's word. I talked about the need to remember all the things that God has done in our life. If you missed that message, you can go back online and watch it. I want to add two more things this week that you can do to enter into his presence and experience his peace. The first is worship. Um, It sounds trite, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you intentionally make time and you make space to worship the Lord, um, you will begin to increase your awareness of his presence in your life. Um, Learning to soak in God's presence through worship is one of the most valuable things that we can do as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about corporate worship like we're doing here today, but I'm also talking about private worship. Okay? Sing to the Lord. If you're self-conscious about your singing, do it when no one's around. Do it in the shower. Do it in the car. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay? There are several times in the Bible where, like, these people just start spontaneously singing. In jail, at supper, right? And they sang. The Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You may not think that you have a good voice, um, but the Lord is more concerned with the posture of your heart than the quality of your voice. This is a... This is a lesson that's taken me a long time to learn. Um, My identity used to be caught up in my singing and my voice because that's what I did before 
I was in ministry, and God just made it very clear um, that I needed to learn something. I needed to learn that it's about the posture of our heart. So put on some worship music um, and sing your heart out to the Lord, or just sing a cappella. That means without any accompaniment, okay? You will begin to experience his presence and his peace. Another way we can enter into the presence of God is to invite him into the everyday activities of our life. So uh, maybe you've heard of Brother Lawrence. He was a 17th century uh, Carmelite monk in France. Um, He had kitchen duty in the monastery, and his job was to, to prepare and cook the meals and then clean them up afterwards. And he began an experiment um, where he would, like, infuse his relationship with God into each of these mundane tasks that he would do. So instead of, like, just doing the dishes or cooking the meal, um, he decided to have an ongoing conversation with God and invite him and his presence into these chores that he was doing. He believed that God could be invited into everything he did and that his presence could be enjoyed at any time. Um, his goal was to maintain a steady connection with God throughout the whole day, no matter what happened. So this is another thing that's sort of countercultural. We tend to be, as Americans, um, very compartmentalized, right? Okay, we'll do this, okay, put that away, we'll do this, put that away, okay, go and do this. Um, but God, there is no secular and sacred. There is no work this is my work, this is my church, this is my, these are my good buddy, friend, you know. There is none of that. He is Lord of it all, right? And he wants to be invited into all of that, every last piece. Your hobbies, your work, your friends, even when you're angry, invite him in. So Brother Lawrence wrote about this uh, in his book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's a Christian classic. If you haven't read it, strongly encourage you to read it. Small little book, extremely powerful. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Um, You can begin to practice the presence of God like he did. You can begin to have an ongoing conversation with the Lord throughout your day. Um, If you do this, you will begin to experience that peace I'm talking about, right? He's faithful. He'll meet you right there. So if peace follows the presence of the master, then ask yourself this question. Um, What would it look like for you to have regular rhythms of both corporate and private worship time with the Lord? Right? What would it look like for you to practice the presence of God and invite the Prince of Peace into every little nook and cranny of your life. To have an ongoing conversation with him throughout the day. To invite him into um, both the challenges you're facing and the mundane, the routine. Um, If you did that, how would your life be different? How much more peace would you experience if each day you had a practice of worshiping the Prince of Peace 
and being in his presence all throughout your day. From my experience, it changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence and your peace. Whether we're in the midst of a storm or there's a storm raging within us, Lord, we pray for your presence and your peace just to invade every nook and cranny of our lives. Help us to experience that peace, God, as we look forward to Christmas, the birth of Christ, and his second coming. Pray, God, that you would just show each of us those things in our life that are pulling us away from you and robbing us of your peace. Show, show us those places in our hearts and in our lives that we need to invite you into. Help us, Lord, to practice the presence of the Master all throughout our day so we can experience and walk in your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.